The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, 16 years ago, it was found in the Edmonton region, and since then, canola producers across the region have been trying to fight club root. Unfortunately, it has spread to some farms across the prairies, and that has the farmers who have to deal with it on the front lines, educating others about it. Joining us is John Gilly, the chair of the Alberta Canola Producer Commission Board, and he is a farmer near Westlock. Hi, John. Hi, how are you doing today? Good, thanks for joining me. You know what? I've been listening to commercials on on our station over the past uh, few weeks, couple of months, talking about Club Root, and I thought, okay, well, this is perfect timing, and then there was an article in uh, in the paper, and I thought, okay, I'm going to get a hold of you, let's talk about this, and um, shed some light on it. Of course, I'm sure the farming community knows all about it, but for those of us who are city, city dwellers, city slickers, um, likely don't. So tell us, what is Club Root? Well, clubroot is a uh, soil disease um, that's moved its way into Western Canada and Alberta particularly, but it's spreading uh, uh, eastward. Mm. And it's a disease that uh, ties up the roots, creates big, large uh, galls on the roots, and basically it uh, stops growth of the plants depending on what the stage of the infection is. Mm. Um, it's a very uh, complicated uh, disease it uh, tends to uh, find ways to continue its life cycle, and there's no real known uh, fix for it other than uh, a bunch of different management techniques that farmers can use to try to uh, reduce the spore load or the amount of the disease in the soil so that they can continue to grow uh, crops that are susceptible like canola. Hmm. Okay, now um, you've talked about it uh, on your farm. Uh, you did um, have to deal with club root and that must have been a, a real kick in the gut when you when you noticed that. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, I'd heard about it in the area, but I didn't actually I guess felt that it would never, never get to my farm, mm. but uh, when I found it, I again wasn't sure that that's what it was, but I had an expert come in and tell me that it was, and uh, that's kind of started the process I've been on over the last <laughs> five or six years. And that process is holding seminars, talking to other farmers, and, and informing them and educating them about this, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I've been doing that for the past 14 months or so, um, but there's quite a quite a build-up to that. Prior to that, uh, there is quite a bit of a stigma with clubroot. Mm-hmm. Um, I often compare it to uh, mental illness, and uh, it takes a little bit of time to get it processed in your own mind and come around to accepting that you have the disease before you can even uh, start to management manage it on your farm. So let's talk about that, um, managing it on the farm. I guess, you know, one of the big questions is, how does it show up on a farm? Where does well, it come it, from? It, yeah, it's been in the soil, you know, it's... It, carries through the wind it carries okay. through uh any it's a soil movement uh disease so if, whether it blows in the wind uh it can actually travel in, in water runoff um you can bring it from field to field with uh your equipment if you don't clean it off between fields um you can have it introduced when you're having some sort of uh oil industry work done be that seismic or drilling or even just a utility pipeline come in uh, the first kit-known sources are probably came from Europe mm. years ago, and a lot of them have started in uh, 
people's gardens where they've had susceptible plants such as cabbage and other things like that. Okay, so and again, you said it's a spores and, and it's travel and it travels. How easy is it or how difficult, I think might be the right word, to get rid of it or to deal with it? Well, it's very difficult to get rid of it. Uh, it's some of the spores that can live a long, long time. Uh, it's much like the life of a, of a frog where um, the bulk of them of the spores will die off fairly quickly over uh, a couple of years. Uh, but the ones that do survive uh, do last, do stay in the soil for a long time, up to say 20 years. So it's something that's very probably impossible to eliminate. Mm. Uh, we just need to learn different management techniques so that we can keep spore loads low and be able to uh, continue to grow uh, canola here in the prairies. Does the weather, besides wind um, and moving the spores, have anything to do with it? If it's really rainy, really dry, does it tend to to, to spread um, quicker um, in in either of those conditions? Yeah, somewhat. Um, you know, it, it propagates in post crops like canola, and kind of the perfect storm for it is to have a very wet spring, and then have a very uh, warm mm. summer, and that. Uh, it's kind of the perfect storm for making having the disease grow in your field. Boy, oh boy! So, um, when when you when you noticed it, and I was reading that oftentimes you find it by, you know, the gates of your farm, that sort of thing. What does it What does it look like when it's first growing or developing? Well, there's above and below uh, ground symptoms. Um, above ground, you'll see that the plant actually dies off. It may may, uh, depending when the infection occurs, whether it's early in the season or late in the season, mm. uh, but often you'll find it, it'll look like the plant has actually got too much water and is ground out. Mm. Um, other times you'll see it, uh, you know, late in August, and uh, the plant may still be perfectly, look perfectly normal above ground, but if you pull the uh, plant out of the ground, you'll see a huge root mass onto the roots, and that's actually the disease propagating itself and choking off the plant. And so then um, the the seeds don't produce, the canola seeds don't? Yeah, exactly. None of the uh, nutrients from the soil or the moisture from the soil can get up into the pods and, and actually produce the seed. Wow. Okay. You know, this is fascinating because um, out where I live, um, when I first moved out there, there was a number of canola sea, uh, canola fields out there, and haven't seen canola fields out there in quite a long time. They've switched to other, to other. Um, to, to to planting other things, um, uh, and I always and I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but uh, I was wondering about crop rotation and that sort of thing because um, do, do you is it okay to plant canola every year or should you give it a break? Yeah, no, you have to give it a break. Uh, the newest research is showing that uh, you get a ninety to ninety five percent spore load decrease after two years out of canola, mm. so that's seeding it every third year. And if you have uh, a really high spore load, you'll have to lengthen that rotation even further. Hmm. Uh, so that's definitely one of the management techniques. One of the strongest ones is to uh, increase your rotation. Um, some of the other ones, ways of managing are with, uh, there's some club root resistant uh, varieties out now. Mm-hmm. So it's genetic resistance. Um, so that's, that's a very good uh, part of doing it. Um, you know, making sure that you check your fields to see if you have it so that you can determine it at the earliest uh, stages. Um, it's it's a lot like uh, some of the 
the uh, human diseases where earlier detection is your, your best, uh, best line of defense. And like you said, this often occurs at entrances of your field. So you're maybe bringing it from another field or mm-hmm. somebody else has brought it into your field and that dirt will fall off with the spores right at your entrance. So that's a great place to start looking. So what do you do if you notice um, the club root in your field, maybe early or maybe a little bit lo- later on? Um, how do you dig it up? Or I guess you just dig it up and, and burn it? Or how do you dispose of that? Well, in the past, um, basically it's been left in the soil and that's something that we didn't quite think about early enough. We're not sure why we didn't think of that sooner. Um, but club root often starts in small patches. So it can be the size of your kitchen table or the size of a pickup. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you can find it at that point, definitely pull the plants out and get all of those spores that are in the uh, galls out of your field and, and destroy them by, say, burning or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that will stop you from uh, running your equipment through those in the future and dragging those spores all throughout your field and, and uh, infecting everywhere that much faster. John Gilly joining us this afternoon, the chair of the Alberta Canola Producers Commission, also a farmer out by Westlock. Can you give me an idea? So when you talk about um, rotating your your crops, and you know my 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 farmers who are listening right now are going, "Oh my gosh, what a city slicker! She doesn't know anything about this." But I mean, seriously, I moved to an acreage seven years ago, and I was in over my head over uh, on that one with a septic system and a cistern. So when it comes to farming, you know, a lot of this is you know new for me. So that's why I'm fascinated and and asking some of these questions so when you're planting your fields and you say like a third year uh, every three year rotation with with canola how how far ahead do you plan your crops i mean do you have like a a five-year plan a three-year plan on on what you're going to plant this year next year and the following year yeah i think most people have a fairly fixed plan for long ways in the future i know i've i guess certainly from the point that i found collaborating my fields i had my fields planned out what they were going to be seeded into probably eight years in advance. Wow. Saying that, that you know, might not change. Um, but I like to have an equal amount of each crop on my farm. So it's a matter, it's simply a matter of rotating through the three crops that I'm growing right now. Okay. So I'll uh, grow canola one year, malt barley the next, then wheat, and then back to canola. Okay, so just flip and, the fields. Uh, yeah, so it's it's definitely a plan thing, not saying that uh, we don't have some weather issues um, or severe market issues that that might not change down the road, but definitely plan a long ways ahead. Well, John, you know, the the canola industry, um, it's an important one to Alberta. Can you tell us how important as far as money goes? Uh, I should know that off the top of my head. I think it's something like 20 billion, but I better not quote myself there. (laughs) it's 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 a huge industry uh for cropping farmers canola is uh you know their cash crop that's the one where they can make the most money and that's where a lot of the problem has come is because uh farmers want to make more money more often and we need to look at it a different way the uh alberta canola we don't want to see more canola acres in the field we actually want to see less okay we want to see a healthy rotation yep uh we want certainly don't want to see more than a third of the cropland in canola we want to uh you know have higher yields produce more canola 
but still maintain that healthy uh, rotation so that we can keep it sustainable. John, um, a couple of uh, questions coming in from the text line. You've got some uh, some of my listeners asking questions. I'm going to just throw a couple of questions out at you. Trevor says, hey, when I grew up, canola was called rapeseed. Is it the same thing? Yes, it is, right? Uh, similar but different. Oh, okay. uh, canola is now uh, you know, a healthy, edible uh, human oil. Back in the rapeseed days, most of that was actually for industrial oil. Uh, so some of the genetics that were done uh, 25 years ago have changed. Uh, it's no longer rapeseed. It's now canola. And uh, it's, it's quite a bit different uh, okay. than the, what he's probably thinking of from back in the day. Okay, a couple other questions. If it's underground in the roots, how does it get spread by a vehicle? Only in spring when plowing? I think that goes back to the spores, right? Yeah, well, those... Uh, skulls will actually start to deteriorate towards the end of uh, the growing season. And once they deteriorate, you know, they're, they're very tiny. You can fit 10 of these club root spores across the width of a, of, a, of a hair. Wow. So they're tiny. And each plant can actually have up to 16 billion spores. That's oh, my gosh. A billion with a B. <laughs> oh, my. So wow. once these break down into the soil, um, you know, they, they easily move around. Uh, they can actually swim, if you can believe it, and uh, they get around in the soil. If they're on the surface, if you drive on them, they'll be can picked up on a vehicle. Yeah. Um, certainly dragged around with tillage and seeding equipment. Does it only affect canola? Um, canola is the only major susceptible crop. Um, you know, mustard is is also susceptible. Uh, some of our common weeds in the area are also uh, susceptible. So you definitely have to. Make sure you're uh, keeping track of your weeds and not letting them propagate because that continues the life cycle of club root. All right, John, I know that uh, I pulled you out of uh, a meeting, a day-long meeting. One more question uh, for you from Robert says, you know what, Uh, this sounds like um, it would be a good use of drones with basic ability to spot affected plants. Um, You know, has anyone used drones to check out the fields to, to see what's happening or do you do that? Yeah, drones are becoming a bigger part of agriculture, and that's certainly uh, one use of them. It may not be able to exactly uh, detect if it's clubbered or not, but it certainly can see the patches in the fields, and then you can maybe go back to those spots, you know, uh, with a side-by-side or on foot and look into those patches. If we could get a drone that could actually fly in and pull a plant out uh, with a camera on it, then certainly we'd be able to tell, but... It's certainly another tool in the toolbox to help us out. Uh, you know, everything's getting high technology and agriculture, and that's certainly something to look forward to. Uh, very good. And John, one more question. Sorry, um, Lucas wants to know uh, uh, how much um, a bushel per acre on a good year. What's canola going for these days? Um, ten dollars plus, ten to eleven. Okay, very good for a good crop, right? Yeah, that's per bushel, and you know, in the Edmonton area, we've got some pretty good dirt. So yep. you can look at 50 to 60 uh, bushels per acre. So wow. okay. I'll let everybody do the math. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> if people want to find out more uh, about any of these seminars or talks that you give, um, can they do so through a website, find out where you might be? Um, probably best to just follow me on social media okay. uh, on uh, Twitter at WheatGearJJ. WheatGearJJ. And if they want more information about Clubroot, they can always look at www.clubroot.ca. Okay. Or onto the albertacanola.com page or into the uh, 
National Council of Canada's website as well. Well, it looks like there's lots of information about there, and uh, the more that you're talking about it, you talk about that stigma being lifted, and that's uh, that's that's a good thing. Thank you, John, for educating us this afternoon. I really, really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's John Gilly joining us this afternoon, the chair of the Alberta Canola Producers Commission uh, Board and a farmer out by Westlock. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.